the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Welcome back to Chair 2 Leaders. I am Ben South. And I am Danny Smith. We are glad you're joining us this week, Danny. It is getting into fall. Matter of fact, here in Arkansas today, I think our highs in the 70s finally, and we were in the 50s again last night. So it was. It's oh man, this turn is the fall best time of the year. Best time, absolutely. Love. When you can put a fire in the fire pit and you know not break a sweat, it is a great, great time. And uh, it was actually in the low 30s two mornings ago here in Wyoming. Um, and we had crazy weather with snow on the mountains. So, you know, I, I think I texted you a picture of our daily high of like 60 and, you know, just kind of rubbing it in. But the reality is y'all are going to have a nice little runway into fall and ours is going to quickly turn to winter and it won't be nearly as fun. But it's a great time of the year. That's right. Well, our guest today, we, we, y'all can't see him, but we can. He's over here shaking his head. He knows nothing of this cooler weather. Josh Revis from... Jacksonville, Florida is with us today. Before we do that, let me tell you about our sponsor for this episode. If you need a college degree but don't have the time, Central Baptist College in Conway, Arkansas has the PACE College Degree Program that has proven in-class online or hybrid course formats and that will help you complete your degree. They'll fit your busy schedule. They know you can't always move, so they've got this flexible format that you can do where you are. They've been doing it for over 20 years. They can help you finish your degree while you're still working or while you're still in ministry. So go check out cbc.edu slash online. We are thankful for them and their sponsorship of Chair to Leaders. Well, this week we've got Josh Revis back with us. Josh, welcome back to the show. Thanks, fellas. I'm glad to be back and I'm extremely jealous already. It's uh, going to be a beautiful fall high of 85 today here in Florida, <laughs> So, which is actually a little bit cool for what we're usually at at this time of year. So Yes, but you it's, get some you know, of those ocean breezes. That's right. You know, Josh, yeah. uh, you're you're not too far uh, south of where a lot of my extended family lives in South Georgia, and their joke is, you know, there's about six good weeks of weather a year, and they they're actually they say it's about three good weeks. Everybody will say six. So we no, that's accurate. I tell people that we have two seasons. We have summer in February, and so that's that's right. What we've got going on. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yep. Yeah, you get that one little reprieve, and then it's right back to business as usual. Yep. Yeah, I wore last last year. I wore a a winter coat one day out of the whole year. <laughs> That's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, and we're already breaking our stuff out here. Yeah, and we'll have it till next. Uh, we'll have it till next June. So, oh my gosh, <laughs> God, God it's, bless it's you. wonderful. Yeah, God bless it's wonderful. You. It takes all types, you know. It's like it does. It does. It, we all have those people in our church. We have them in our family. So we have the ones in our, our household who like the warm, some who like the cold. So I'm glad God provides all those different environs where where we enjoy the weather, but he doesn't always put us in ministry where we enjoy the weather. So. That's right. Yeah, I keep saying, Lord, we can church plant Hawaii, you know, right. and uh, but that's okay. <laughs> you, you look at the weather calendar for where the Lord's going to lead you. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I think here in about six weeks, we'll be transferring to Southern California. And then, uh, you know, it's funny people here. I was talking to a guy yesterday um, and 
you know, the job that I worked to, to help do the church planting and stuff like that, uh, was talking to them about some of that stuff. And they said, well, my boss needs to make that decision, but he's gone to Arizona until March. And I was like, can we go to Arizona till March? That might be kind of fun. But, uh, yeah, that's the thing. Southern California, Arizona, Reno, wherever that may be. Is that Nevada, Nevada? I never know how to say it. Yeah. If you're in Arkansas, it's Nevada. Nevada. Uh, That's exactly right. Nevada too. So yeah, (laughs) I love it. Well, Josh, we thought we'd talk a little bit today. We kind of got off into a rabbit trail on weather and the climate, but, um, a little bit about living as a chair two in a chair one world, because it seems like almost all the conferences, all the ones who have, you know, not necessarily that we're looking for platform, but those who have ability to pour into people. And it just seems like everything's built for a chair one position or someone who's in that role versus someone who is serving in the chair two role. So we want to just talk about because you serve in a chair two role where you are. Uh, Danny has served there, um, but just kind of how to navigate being a chair two in a chair one world. Yeah, I, I get that. And it, and it feels a lot of times like because it's uh, packaged as for, you know, pastors or for this or for that. But the reality is in a chair two role, um, if you're in a ministry that has a second chair, um, there's a good chance that that's a, a, a fairly sizable ministry because there's the, the necessity of a, of a multitude of elders there, you know, serving in that church, multiple pastors. And that means if you're in the chair two role, you're going to be doing some chair one responsibilities, some responsibilities that would be chair one responsibilities for a guy that's in a single staff church or maybe a bivocational guy, things like that. So it's going to be some administrative stuff. It may be some preaching responsibility. It's going to be uh, probably supervising um, some support staff and things like that. So while the title may not be there, uh, there are certainly the responsibilities that need to be done. And so I found that in a lot of those resources, there's a lot for me to glean from it because it's bits and pieces of the job that I'm doing. So if you if you don't get bogged down with the title itself, uh, you can find that there's a wealth of information and knowledge out there that that you can actually utilize. Yeah, I think that's a good a good point. I think sometimes as much of that it gets in our head if we're not careful versus the actual actuality. But I think sometimes I I know I've experienced this and maybe it's as much a personality issue as it is anything else is like okay, I'm not there. I'm not that lead pastor. I don't have that opportunity to go there. I shouldn't do that. Um, what are some of those things, maybe Danny, you can apply this because you've been in a, a chair one role as well, that maybe the misunderstandings that, yeah, the, the pastors don't really think that way about the chair two leaders, or maybe some of them do. I don't know because I've never been in a chair one role um, toward chair two's functioning within the bigger picture of ministry? I, I know for for me, I think one of the, the things I would kind of highlight is I think there's a little bit of a changing of that perception and attitude. I think when I first started, you know, kind of the out of college into that first church staff role, um, there was certainly a, okay, you're here to uh, you're here to work with students. You're here to to work with children. And uh, I think even the people in the church had that perspective that, you know, you're not the real pastor. One day you're going to be a real pastor. One day you'll get to, and, and I think some of that's changed over the years. I feel like, um, I feel like some of the the staff that, that I've worked with over the last couple of years, we've had a really good uh, working relationship. Probably the best thing that I did as a chair one was letting um, 
other leaders in our church fill the pulpit, do pastoral stuff with a full endorsement saying that there's much of a pastor as I am. So I think some of that perception has changed. Um, I know in kind of the tradition that I grew up in, you know, you had your, your senior pastor, then everybody else was an assistant to that particular pastor. And I think now, um, I think uh, th- there's certain probably some of that still alive and well, but you know, Josh, I think you're right. I think people have, have seen the value of going, Hey, we probably need some other people to help do pastoral, even if they don't ascribe to a, a plurality of elder system. Um, it seems like that there's at least a, a changing of that perception where people realize, Hey, Josh is as valuable as a pastor um, at our church or, you know, Ben's as valuable as a pastor at our church as, as maybe the senior pastor. And so I think some of that is perception that's changed over the years. And then I think also just being comfortable going, hey, maybe I don't have to do it all, but instead we can work as a team and we can we can function as a team and we can, uh, you know, just equip more people that way. Yeah, I think that, and I'll sound like a broken record because I probably said this last time I was with you guys, but the experience as a chair two leader is extremely dependent. I would say almost completely dependent on the interaction that you have with whoever is in that first chair. The relationship between that first and second chair is going to determine um, uh, to a large part what that experience is like for the person in the second chair. I, I use this line all the time as I talk to guys who are in associate or assistant pastor positions. Um, you know, There are a lot of lead senior pastors who say they want an associate, but what they really want is an assistant. They, they don't want someone to come alongside and serve under, but also bring a, a, a full-bodied voice and vision to what's going on with the ministry, even though maybe not every idea is taken, maybe not every suggestion is given the green light, really open to those things. What they want is someone to delegate responsibilities that they don't want to do onto, like you handle X, Y, and Z, because I like doing these things over here better. That will get frustrating for someone who, you know, has some vision, has some ideas, has um, some stuff that they really want to invest into the ministry. They're not just necessarily wanting to be the task oriented, you know, accomplish A, B, C, and D. But for a lead pastor who wants an associate, like the relationship I have with my dad here, where we, we talk, you know, about the next sermon series that being preached or the big, you know, outreach push that we want to do. And he's hearing ideas and he's liking the ideas. He's given the green light for you to go and make that happen. And then also championing that, you know, championing that from the pulpit that changes my experience completely because I know I've got not only his support, but that he wants to hear what I have to say. He wants to, to get that input. And he's actually going to, you know, he's going to take it. He's going to consider it. He may not always say yes to it. Um, and, and we have that experience often too, but it's greatly dependent on the one to two interaction. Now there's certainly guys that make it miserable for themselves because they took a position and then knew they didn't want to be in that position. What they wanted was a lead pastor role, but they thought, well, if I go here, then I can step into that somewhere else. You can't help that. That's a personal thing. But if the the communication and the interaction is good from one to two, it can be a really, you know, a place where you flourish. Yeah. And that not only one to two, but that one to congregation that says, Hey, you know, the person leading this is somebody I believe in is somebody that I can follow is somebody that I, uh, a trust with this ministry, which builds that trust between congregation and those chair two leaders, which then brings on uh, other roles for that chair two leader um, instead of just showing up, um, you know, at, at a, a youth event. Now people see you pastoral. Well, that means you've got to take some pastoral steps 
in your life as well. You know, you have to uh, you, you have to reach out to folks that maybe don't have a direct hand in your particular area of ministry. And so I, I love how that it just kind of begins to um, just grow in that leadership of one to two, one to congregation, congregation to the two. Uh, but it does bring more responsibilities on. Um, you, you know, you can't just want a title and you can't just want some uh, notoriety. You have to be a pastor in those positions as well. Yeah, for me, it's and been, you know, you mentioned it a little bit. Sometimes it's a personal thing because like I'm I'm in this position as, as associate pastor. Um, but I've I, and I mean this sincerely, I've never been bugged by my title um, because I I was not called to a position. Um, for me personally, I felt called to this place to serve to these people. And so as long as I'm serving these people faithfully where God has planted me, I'll fulfill whatever role this church needs me to fill. And right now, this is the role that that the pastor here and, and the church, you know, I, I need to fulfill and I'm able to do it. And it's, you know, within my gifting and things like that. But it's not about me going, because well, I preach every week, you know, I I I supervise a set of, you know, directors here on our staff. I plan, you know, church-wide events. I do a lot of stuff that a person in a chair one position would do. And so I get to do those things, enjoy them, get to have that opportunity. And I don't go to bed at night going like, but I'm not a real pastor because I am. I pastor at this church with this other group of pastors. We have a lead pastor who's leading us and I submit to his authority but I'm thankful for where God planted me and this is where I want to be. So I'm not just looking to run off somewhere else to chase a title because then I'd be leaving the place where God put me and he hadn't told me to move. I really you know, identify with what you said there. I, I'm not here to get a senior pastor. I don't even aspire to be a, a lead pastor or a senior pastor in a church. I think God's gifted me to be kind of in a role where I am. But some, and, and what y'all said is true. It's absolutely imperative that that chair one, chair two relationship be strong for that to be seen, for the chair two to be seen as a, in a pastoral role. But what about those guys who aren't in that spot, who their chair one does see them as the fledgling who's, yeah, I'm the pastor and I make the decisions and y'all are here to do my bidding versus to pastor and to lead. This is where it takes some hard soul searching prayer uh, in these things where you have to determine, am I in a place that's a healthy work environment? That's a healthy relationship um, that I feel like I can serve faithfully and fulfill what God's called me to do. Has he called me to this place for this time? Um, because he's got something else. I, it's that thing where I've got to make sure, does God want me to be here? And if I've got a clear piece that this is where God wants me to be, then I've got to learn to work within the confines of the structure where I'm at and the role that I've accepted. Now, do I need to work on the communication with that leader? Yes. Do I need to have some honest conversations? Sure. Do I need to work on building that relationship? Of course. But there may come a point too, where I go, I may have to step out in faith here and go, I don't have a piece about being here. I don't like being here. I don't like the way I'm being treated. Well, then that's the point where maybe God's opening up the door for you to move on to another place and you begin to, to seek and pursue those things. Um, but that's where you've got to start. Sometimes we don't even pray about it because we're scared what the answer might be. And so it's just like, but it's just easier to stay here and do this. So that's where you've got to have that hard conversation with yourself. And then that real time of prayer with the Lord, where you say, really, it's not my will, but it's your will. And if you want me to go, I'll go. And if you want me to stay, I'll stay. And you'll give me the grace to do whichever one it is. 
Yeah, I know for our family, um, yeah, there was that stirring, there was that restlessness, especially, uh, you know, I was just in a chair one role. And even there, there was a, a restlessness in my heart for, um, and, and God used it kind of to refine that calling in my life. So we're back to where we feel like that restlessness was leading us to, but it would have been a lot easier to stay for a variety of reasons. It wasn't a bad situation. Um, it was a situation where they took care of our family and there was some opportunity there, but you know, it was very clear in our heart that God was moving us somewhere else, but it's not always that way to a chair two leader. Sometimes it's just not that easy, right? You know, um, it's not, if your family's pretty ingrained in that community or into that particular church, sometimes it's hard to, to uproot and, and go somewhere else. It's not about the title. You just know there's a stirring and there's a restlessness there. And uh, that that's where you want that relationship with your chair one to grow so that you can express this, um, hopefully to be able to, to, to have that opportunity to, in that relationship to, to express hey, what do I do with this restlessness? What do I do with this calling in my life? I think one of the important things with that is is you have to realize, ultimately, I'm serving the Lord. Where I am, what I'm doing, I'm serving the Lord, even if my chair one thinks I'm there to serve and work for him. Even if whoever my supervisor is, and this is in any role, really, they think I'm there to do what they want me to do. I'm still there serving the Lord. You know, we work for the Lord, not for men. And so wherever you are, even if it's in those difficult situations, we need to be with the mindset that I'm working to serve the Lord. No matter what it means here or where, I'm serving Him. And that'll kind of get you over some of those hesitancies to step out into pastoral ministry or to doing things because ultimately I have to be faithful to the Lord. That's my highest allegiance, my highest loyalty, and to serve the church that's called me. Um and where God has placed me. So if we can get into that mindset, it'll help us move into that um, little bit different thinking and as how we act and how we move about and do our pastoral ministry. Now, let's move into a, a little kind of a different subject. Now, I know, um, Josh, this past summer at the Southern Baptist Convention, you made a nomination at a pastor's conference, which is, you know, it's a little bit atypical for a chair two to make a nomination like that on a big national stage. I don't, it may have happened before. I don't ever remember a non-lead pastor, a non-entity leader making a recommendation like that. Did, did you ever get any feedback or questions about that or any, was it just a non-issue? No, it wasn't an issue. The only way it became an issue was there was a sort of a strange moment where um, it seemed like for a moment that there was some confusion about who could vote, you know, for that and seemed like it was going to be that senior pastors were going to be the ones who voted. And so I was kind of standing in the back, like, now, just to be clear, I can nominate this guy to be this thing, but I can't vote for him to do it. And, uh, and so then there was sort of some discussion behind the, 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 the sacred curtain of like, well, we should probably change that wording. All any pastor here should be able to, to vote for this. And so, they, they, they corrected that when they got out onto the stage, but no, it was, um, I, I, you know, nobody said anything about it. And it was one of those opportunities where, you know, Matt, Matt's a great guy. He's my friend. Now, the, what's so funny to me is the, the politics of things. So, mm -hmm. um, when Matt and, and he would be fine with me speaking to this, um, you know, when Matt, I nominated Matt, Matt was pastoring a rural church. And so that's really 
the the platform on which I nominated him. That's what my whole speech was built around about the kind of guy that he was. And nobody loves pastors more than Hensley does um, and encourages them. Well, from the, he was, obviously he won and, and we're so excited. Well, in the, the months that followed, uh, he had an opportunity to go be an associational strategist um, in the community where his aging parents live. And so there was this opportunity for him to go take this position and uh, to to go work with, you know, in a community, encouraging pastors, which is literally what the job is. So he's going to be encouraging all of these pastors. He's going to be doing some teaching at a local church, teaching pastor, uh, doing some preaching. And then he gets to take care of his elderly parents, you know, who are in, in poor health and what honor them in that way. And then there's this people giving him grief, like, uh, you know, how, how is he's not even a pastor? How's he going to lead the pastor's conference? Like, we well, didn't forget what he was doing two weeks ago. You know, like he, he still remembers all the stuff that he was doing. So there is that weird view of like, well, you don't have that title right now. How could you possibly do this? And I'm like, he is a pastor. He was a pastor. He's encouraging pastors. He's putting together a conference for pastors to be encouraged. This is like the least controversial thing of all time. People just like to be mad. But no, so nobody gave me nobody gave me any grief for doing the nomination. Um, actually, I got a lot of good feedback from guys in smaller churches, normative sized churches, who said, like, I felt like you were talking about me. And that's the first time I've ever seen somebody like me. You know, I, I felt like I was him when you were talking about him. And it wasn't, you know, us against them, but it was you know, and so I, I was happy in that moment because there was a real sense of unity in the room of like, this is a good thing for a guy um, from this place in this kind of church who wants to put together this kind of conference. And so, no, I, you know, the, any grief that we've gotten has been in the aftermath and it's been it's been silly, to be quite honest. And really, I think I think what you said is absolutely true. I, when you get just one on one with other pastors as chair two, talking with other pastors, they have a heart for just for other pastors and no matter which role you serve. And so I didn't really think there was a lot of grief from it. Um, but I, there has been on Twitter some of that. Well, if you're not a lead pastor, and I think that's just more Twitter posturing. So when you see that, just ignore that and block those guys, I guess. But uh, yeah, Is there I, posturing on Twitter? I just, I yeah. didn't know that. So <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not a liberal, but I do liberally mute. That's the only thing I do liberally. You bet. Is, a, is like just that. mute, mute, mute. So you bet. So, so use that as an encouragement because you as a chair too, you can you can step into some some roles that maybe you wouldn't typically think you as a chair too could because God has called you that ministry and to lead and you've got good ideas and you can speak into situations as well and you have value to the overall kingdom. Just, just because you're not in a chair one doesn't negate all those things. It, my thing is, I just always want to be available. I want to be available primarily to my ministry here in this local church, whatever they need me to do. They need me to preach on a Sunday, preach on Wednesday. If they need me to step in and, um, you know, help somebody find a substitute teacher for their small group class. Well, you know, I, I lead music for VBS because I like to hang out with preschoolers. I, I just do what this local church needs me to do in as many ways as I can and make myself available. And then I make myself available for other opportunities. There's been, you know, whether it's a, a church here locally that needs somebody to speak at their D now for their students or to come over on a Sunday night and fill in in their pulpit. Um, I just take the opportunities as they come and I don't say, well, hold on, let me see if, you know, something better comes up or I'm going to have to cancel this because this other opportunity came. And so it was just being about being available, the opportunity to nominate Matt, you know, at the convention, that was just, 
I'm Matt's friend, the person who was going to nominate him, who was a chair one guy, wasn't going to be able to do it. And they just called me and said, hey, would you do this? And I was like, sure, man, he's my friend. I'll do it. I can't promise anything. I mean, there's other certainly more, you know, well-known people, but I was just available to do it and did it for my friend. And so availability creates a lot of opportunity if you're not picky and you don't think that the opportunity is beneath you or below you. Yeah, a lot of this is just perspective. Again, just having that, I mean, the chair one's got to have that kind of perspective, uh, perspective. You've got to have that perspective that, like you said, you're called to that church and to serve in that church. And, you know, I look at Ben and, you know, Ben's been in his role. I mean, it's changed over the years, but hey, you've been at Central for 20 years almost at least, 20 years. Yeah. almost 20 years. And I just, you know, uh, me with the gypsy heart, you know, I have. I have just skipped town many times. And so, yeah, I just, I see that. And I just think, man, what, what a great testimony to, um, to your love of that local church and what, uh, what God has done over the years through that. It's just having that perspective of, uh, of knowing that your calling is, is not to a title, but it's to that church. And, you know, if it's not the best working relationship, like you said, there's obviously some things to pray through and, and to, to ask the Lord to, to work out. But, yeah, I love this idea that our calling is to a local church, right? And our call to church planting is to see a local church at a place where there's not a lot of church activity. I think that's exactly right. We we are that call there. And I think when you get to the church, be ready, be willing. And I think that applies even on the associational level. You know, it's it's one of the things I hear in Southern Baptist life is decisions and things are made by the people who show up or who are in the room. Well, show up and be places. Um, if you want to be involved in associational life, show up to associational meetings. If you want people to, you know, get invited to those D now or to be served and to be a benefit to the kingdom, show up and be available. And that, that helps. I know in our local association, we have a, a weekly gathering and um, we've got a couple of our chair two guys here that go there regularly, but there are very few others that show up that are, they don't put themselves in the conversations or in the room with other pastors or with other leaders to be even a, to be known. So just showing up, being there, being available is huge toward being able to move forward as a chair two living in a chair one world. Well, Josh, thank you for joining us this week. It's been a fun talk to you. Before we go, I've got one serious question. We talk fall and weather. So what are your views on the pumpkin spice, all things that come in this time of year? I, uh, I have no opinion. So I don't drink coffee. So that's one of my big things. It, it puts me on the outs with uh, a lot of people. So All I just, time, I, I, I thought you loved Jesus. No, nah, I tasted coffee one time and I was like, nah, I'm good. And so I, I just don't drink it at all. So when pumpkin spice season, like I do like now we do have a lady in our church that makes pumpkin bread. And uh, so I'm blessed once in a while that she'll bring me a loaf of that pumpkin bread, which is basically she calls it bread, but it's really cake. So I'm, I'm pro pumpkin. Um, I'm just I, I don't drink pumpkin spice lattes and I refuse to eat candy corn. It's trash. Um, so like I don't want to hear about your candy corn pumpkins. I tell people that candy corn is perfect for the situations where you want to eat a candle, but you're not hungry enough to eat the whole thing. So you just want some, just some bite-sized wax. So I'm out on, I'm out on candy corn pumpkins and the pumpkin spice latte, but I'm pro pumpkin cake, pumpkin cupcakes, pumpkin roll. you know, all that. Yeah, man. Oh, the, oh, the, the pumpkin roll with the uh, cream cheese in it where they roll it up. Bring me all that. That's fine. But you can keep the coffee and the candy corn. You see, but then if you have the pumpkin roll with good coffee, 
they just go together. Nah, not not me, man. Everybody, y'all can have mine. I just I, I want to leave more for the. It's my ministry to leave more pumpkin spice latte at the Starbucks for everyone else. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on Chair Two, Josh, and thanks you for listening. Uh, we hope you catch us next time. You've been listening to Chair Two Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair Two Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.